It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Swing and a drive. Right field and deep. Back goes Aquino. It's got a chance. Gone. Get out the tape measure. Long gone. Fly the W! Cubs fans, it's time to fly the W with Dustin Rhodes and Paul Crawley Jean. You are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. This is season two. It's episode 48. Cubs blow it with bad bunts. Don't forget to listen, download, review. Most importantly, subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on all the socials. Fly the W670 on Twitter and Instagram. Fly the W on Facebook. Of course, you can email Crawley and I. Fly the W670 at gmail.com. Crawley, first of all, happy Friday. Happy uh, beginning to a long holiday weekend for uh, most of us. And uh, the Cubs look like they could use another vacation, but uh, unfortunately, there's no rest coming their way anytime soon. That was an absolute, we were worried about this, Dustin, you and I, I think when we made our predictions, you, you know, I said, I thought the Cubs would win one of three and you said, please don't get swept. And they got swept. <laughs> uh, you can only laugh. That's why I'm laughing. Probably they, they, they got swept. They, they look like a team that, uh, that had jet lag, especially the, uh, the first game, which we're going to get into in a second. Um, the offense appears to still be broke uh, at certain times. Uh, starting pitching was eh over the, the over the three games. Even though we got a quality start from Kyle Hendricks in Game Three, we'll get into it. But let's uh, let's start off with that first game going back to uh, Tuesday night. Yeah, I was there. Uh, Jamison Tyone versus Ranger Suarez. The Cubs last time they faced Suarez um, were able to get to him. This time, not as much. They're going to lose five to one. And like you said, man, I, I was at this game, right? And so there was a question of whether they were going to play it or not because the air quality was so bad, very was bad. It awful? I mean, it, was it awful? Uh, um, it wasn't as bad by the lake as it was the further inland you went, but you could. It was there was definitely a haze over the field, and it smelled like um, if you ever had a campfire the next day when you wake up and the campfire still smoldering. It smelled like that. Okay, not a great smell. No. And so, I mean, between the jet lag and the air quality, the Cubs offense looked anemic. Suarez, by, you know, it, the Phillies are hot. We said that last episode. Suarez was two and one with a 135 ERA in his past six starts. He went 7.1 innings pitch. He gave up four hits on one run, one walk and eight Ks. But the Cubs, they only had two hits in the first seven innings right? They finished the game with one run on six hits. They left six men on base, one for five with runners in scoring position. And Ian Happ hit into two double plays. Cody Bellinger and Nick Madrigal really were the offense. They each had two hits. So they accounted for four out of the Cubs, six hits. um, Bellinger and Madrigal each got hit in the bottom of the eighth. And then Nico Horner singled to make it five to one, but that's, that's it. So you know, other than if other than Bellinger and Madrigal, nobody else was hitting the ball, and and they just they just looked like very lethargic. Like I said, I don't know if it was jet lag, I don't know if it was the wildfire error, I don't know if it was a combination of the both, but just didn't look like they came to play. Yeah, Major League Baseball could have done them a solid by holding that game up and maybe having a double header. Um, you know, either on Wednesday or Thursday, I was following it, and I was quite surprised that, that game did end up getting played. And everything you said is right, Crawley. It just looked like a team. And reading it on Twitter and following it uh, in the newspapers just looked like a team and that uh, just didn't have their legs uh, back underneath them after they got home from London. Now, um, pitching, uh, this is going to be a question, what to do with Jamison Tyone. Another awful start for Jamo, who saw his record go to two and six, went five innings pitch, gave up seven hits, five runs, one walk. 
but he did have a season high eight strikeouts for yay for small victories. But if you, <laughs> uh, if you remember from our hot and not list from the last episode, we talked about Brandon Marsh and Nick Castellanos being hot Schwarber being cold, but we talked about how Castellanos and Schwarber both loved hitting at Wrigley field. This was evident from the start of the series in the very first at bat of the game. Schwarber would double score on a Trey Turner single to make it one, nothing Phillies. In the second inning, Brandon Marsh hits a solo home run to make it two to nothing. And then in the fifth, Bryson Scott hit a bunt single and Brandon Marsh would hit his second home run of the game. Again, he was on our hot list and he showed it. The Cubs were hot. All right. He was hot. All right. Yeah. Not only that, both of them were two. I was in the bleachers at this game and uh, both of them went to the right field bleachers and nobody threw it back. So that's some bad karma right there. Um, Cody Clemens would double Garrett Stubbs drew a walk and Tyone got Schwarber and Trey Turner to strike out sitting, but with two outs, Nick Castellanos singled to make it five to nothing. Michael Rucker pitched a clean inning with Javier Assad pitched three innings of shutout ball, which I thought you would enjoy Dustin there. Um, But, but, you know, the story of this game was really Jamison Tyone and it, it really, every time he pitches, you're all, you're just thinking automatic loss. Like how, how, you know, you, you just, that's when we, when we do our predictions, I'm like, they're not going to win the JMO game. So, you know, th- then I basically base it off that he went five innings, gave up seven hits, five runs, uh, one walk, eight K's and two home runs to Brandon Marsh. Now, the beat writers got to talk with Carter Hawkins and he was asked if Tyone would go to the bullpen at some point in time, if they acquired some more arms at the talk and trade deadline and Hawkins responded very politically, but very lawyerly. If you read into it, he said, quote, right now he's in our rotation. We don't have any plans to move him out of it. Obviously things change over the course of the season, but not the conversation we had. Do you want him in the bullpen though, either? I mean, you might not want him in the rotation, but do you want him in the bullpen? You know, because he had eight strikeouts the other night. Now all of a sudden is he a guy, if he can't take the pressure of starting games for the Cubs, and that's what I think this is. I think this is trying to live up to the contract and that's the issue. If he can't do that, I don't know if he's not going to be a high leverage situation guy. I mean, you can't have a guy around that kind of money being in the, the fifth or sixth inning role. I, I don't think they're going to move him uh, to the bullpen. I don't, I mean, I don't know if they're going to have a phantom injury. I don't know what they're going to do, but I mean, it, it's bad when the guy that you signed to a four year big money contract and you're already asking if he should go into the bullpen. I mean, that, that that's a bad sign. <laughs> this is Carter. This is Carter and Jed's first big free agent signing together. Right. right. Obviously they have the, you have Dansby Swanson too. Um, but everybody knew, I mean, everybody's been saying for two years that this was going to be the year the Cubs were going to back it up and get one of the, you know, four great shortstops that were going to be available via free agency. So at least from a starting pitching standpoint, and that's what um, a lot of people thought Carter Hawkins uh, skill set was, they, they just misidentified this guy so far. So I'm just hoping that it's more pressure and that maybe they can help him out in between the ears, and it's not mechanical. Because I think Tommy Hadovy's a really good pitching coach, and I think if it was mechanical, Tommy could have fixed that by now. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things that could be going on, and and right now it's just like get to the all-star break, and hopefully the guy gets a little bit of a breather and and comes back strong. But when when you're asking whether to put him in the bullpen or when you start hearing people making comparisons to Edwin Jackson – that's not a good thing. Yeah, you don't want your name in the same sentence as Edwin Jackson unless it's about how much money you got paid. Right. And so that takes us to game two, Drew Smiley versus Aaron Nola. Cubs are going to lose this one to eight, uh, eight to five. For the second straight game, the Cubs starting pitching struggled, and this time it was Smiley. He gave up five runs in the second inning. He gave up a two-run homer to Edmundo Sosa and a three-run homer to Nick the Stick. Uh, Castellanos looked really good this game. The Cubs were down five, nothing, uh, in the second inning, in the fourth inning, he gave up doubles to Kyle Schwarber, Nick Castellanos to make it six to one, a single to Bryce Harper would score Castellanos to make it seven to one. And that would be it for Smiley. He went only 3.2 innings. 
He gave up nine hits, seven runs, one walk, and two Ks in that short amount of time. Hayden Wesniski came in out of the pen, and he pitched pretty well. He went 4.1 innings, gave up two hits, one run, one walk, and four Ks. Michael Rucker pitched one inning of scoreless ball. He continues to look good. Nick Castellanos finished the day two for five with a home run and four RBIs. You know, we talked about how Drew Smiley lately, sometimes, you know, if you're a pretty good pitcher, and that's what Smiley is, he's a good pitcher, but you can get away with things sometimes. But lately with the walks and the hard contact, he was keeping the Cubs in it, but you knew there was going to be a matter of time before, you know, an offense is going to break out and capitalize on those type of things. And that's what happened this game and just wasn't good. Right. Well, and again, right away, the starting pitching, you know, go back to game one and now in game two, and we're going to talk about game three in a minute, the starting pitching put the Cubs in a hole immediately. Right. And in a five run second, um, that's a big hole to climb out of. If he doesn't give up five, maybe the Cubs have a fighting chance in this game because they did score some runs in this one. But when you're immediately down game after game after game, then that, that's hard. And the Cubs starting pitching has been really good this year. It's just you don't want all the guys to go the wrong way all at the same time. Right. And the good news is the Cubs offense didn't look as sluggish as it did on Tuesday night. But unfortunately, and, and we, we've been down this road many a times, they couldn't get the big hit to get them back into the game. Jared Young made his first start of the season and hit his first major league home run in his first at bat in the third inning to make it a five to one game. Swanson would add a solo home run in the fourth. The Cubs down seven to two. The Cubs were down eight to two in the fifth when they had their best chance to make a comeback. They loaded the bases with no outs for Christopher Morrell. Aaron Nola's on the mound, right? And Morrell's been struggling and Nola jumps out to ahead of Morrell. Oh, and two. And you're just looking like, Oh God, this is a strikeout. He's going to put him away. But Morel took the next four pitches and drew a walk. Magical would score, and that would make it 8-3. But I was so impressed by the plate discipline of Christopher Morel, especially in that high leverage situation. You know, like how sometimes guys get super jacked up when the crowd's roaring and, and you know, you came all the way back and he didn't bite at any of the garbage that Nola threw. And so I was excited. And so the Cubs get a run out of that. Then they catch a break, right? So there's still no outs, right? Bases loaded. It's eight to three. Ian Happ hit one that would have been an easy double play for Josh Harrison, but Nola stuck out his glove instinctively. The ball deflects off it. And so the only play Harrison has is the first. Talkman scores, and the Cubs trail eight to four. They got one out with runners at second and third. So you're thinking if you get a single here, it's a two-run game. You're right back in it, right? So you only have one out. You got runners at second and third. They catch another break when Dansby Swanson hits one right back to Nola, who started a sloppy uh, rundown of Nico Horner. Nico is on third. He's obviously caught off that. Uh, But uh, Nola didn't run him all the way back. And that allowed Nico to keep the uh, rundown going and allowed the runners to advance to second and third. So even though it wasn't out, you, you still have runners at second and third for Cody Bellinger, who would pop out to Trey Turner to end the threat. And the Cubs offense had five runs on 10 hits. They left seven men on base, Dustin, and 0 for 8 with runners in scoring position. Now you, you will not win a game. Crawley with that stat you will not win a game 0 for 8 with runners in scoring position it's just not you just can't have that you won't win it you will not win a game when you do that so um you know shame on shame on starting pitching and shame on guys not stepping up in the big moments I do agree with you it wasn't impressive at bat um that Christopher Morrell had but uh just no timely hitting whatsoever zero Nope, and that'll continue in game three when Kyle Hendricks was facing Taiwan Walker. The Cubs would lose this one three to one. Kyle continued his string of good starts. He had five starts in June, Dustin, and four of them were quality starts. The one game that wasn't quality starts, he he just was only able to go five innings and gave up two earned runs, but he has absolutely pitched excellent since starting to call his own games. And last night against the Phillies was no different. He gave up a leadoff home run to his old teammate, Kyle Schwarber. Can you believe that? Kyle on Kyle crime, 2016 yeah, but Cubs. See, that's, that's, that's what I'm talking about, though, again, like right away. And, and you talk about, right, it was the first pitch of the game. And you're in a hole. I just think at every single game in this series, the starting pitching set a terrible 
uh, a terrible tempo, you know, put the Cubs in a hole immediately. And that's, that's a big part of why they get swept. Well, you know, look, Schwarber hits home runs and Kyle struggles, Hendrick struggles in the first. I'm not that upset about it. You know, you can't leave a pitch to Schwarber's right in the middle of the zone. So, I mean, we know that right away. He gave up a double to Trey Turner, but then was able to get out of the jam thanks to some poor base running by Trey Turner. He stole third. With, and with so you got a runner on third and one out. He didn't tag up on a fly ball by Nick Castellanos for some reason. And then Hendricks was able to get um, the next two outs to get out of the jam. So good on that. In the third inning, Cody Clemens and Trey Turner singled. Turner would steal second with two outs. And then Bryce Harper had a clutch single with two outs um, and put the Phillies up three to one. That was all the Phillies would score against Hendricks as Kyle went seven innings, giving up six hits, three runs, four Ks, and no walks. The bullpen continues to look sparkling as uh, Merriweather and Leiter pitch scoreless innings. Again, this is what Kyle Hendricks is right now. He's going to give up two, three runs. I mean, that Dustin, you should be able to come back from that. Oh, absolutely. Listen, he had a quality start. There's no doubt about that. Um, I'm just trying to figure out something. Some put my finger on some reason. It, you know, it's it's Thursday. You're you're a professional athlete. You have all the best care and best treatments. You know, there's no more the the, the London the London trip is over. The London trip's in the rearview mirror. So that a Thursday, that's not an excuse. I mean that that's when you talk to about the offense. Um, after the so I thought after the Cubs put up some runs in game two, right? This is usually what you see. The Cubs kind of look dead ass. And then all of a sudden they kind of start getting some runs. Maybe they're late. Maybe they're garbage runs. And the next game you see them kind of put in a good offensive performance. But it didn't happen. And here's the thing. Taiwan Walker was the starting pitcher. He's been really, really good lately. But he didn't look that great last night. And the Phillies made two defensive errors. But the Cubs couldn't take advantage. And they wasted numerous opportunities. The Cubs got one run in the bottom of the second when Cody Bellinger singled, and then with two outs, Jared Young ripped a triple down the right field to tie the ball game at one, but the Cubs wouldn't score another run again, even though they had plenty of opportunities, and there's two specifically that we need to talk about. In the fourth inning, with two runners on with and two outs, Nick Magical bunted straight to the first baseman to end the inning. I have no idea what was going on there. Then in the very apparently next inning, neither, and apparently neither, neither did David Ross. Right. <laughs> then in the next inning, Mike Talkman reaches on a classic fielding air by Schwarber. Still not the greatest out there and left Nico would single. And then Mar- and, and, and so the Cubs had runners in the corners, no outs, Christopher Morrell up the bat, right? He's hitting third in the lineup, third in the lineup. He finished the game two for three with a double. He had a double, but for some reason he tries to bunt. Now Nico's going to advance to second and the Cubs would have one out and runners at second and third. Ian Happ would line out to the second baseman and Swanson was called out on strikes to end the threat. But that was the last time the Cubs came close to scoring. The offense had one run on seven hits. They drew one walk. They struck out nine times. They had the Phillies had two errors and the Cubs were one for 10 with runners in scoring position and left nine men on base. Just ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Recipe for a disaster. One for 10 runners in scoring position, striking out nine times. This team should not be striking out this much because they lack the, they lack the home run ability overall as a group. They strike out way too much for a team that does not have the slug numbers. Well, you know, and then afterwards, David Ross was asked if the bunts were called from the dugout. And he said, absolutely not. He said um, that with the magical one, magical forgot how many outs there were. How do you forget how many outs there are? I mean, even you wonder why he gets sent up and down, right? People wonder why he gets sent up and down. It's moments like that. Let's put it this way, Dustin. Would you want him bunting with one out even? Well, with one out, maybe. I mean, I wouldn't want him to, of course, but with one out, maybe, but not with two. I mean, with two, my my mom knows that you shouldn't do that with two outs. I mean, just absolutely. I mean, you got, uh, you have, 
you now have three scoreboards in Wrigley Field to check the outs if you're kind of not sure. It really isn't that hard, buddy. <laughs> you're really not that hard. You know, maybe you're not the biggest, you know, some people don't like the scoreboards. You got three. So there's no reason you don't know how many outs there are. And then I guess with Christopher Morrell, he thought it was the right decision. The, the Cubs talked to him afterwards about when you're a number three hitter. I mean, it's just you have in baseball, there is no clock. It's the one damn sport where there's no clock. And so you have 27 outs to work with. You gave away an out for no reason. If he makes contact with the ball, he hits one. Even if he hits one in the outfield and the outfielder catches it, you score a run, you're down one. The, the guy, just absolutely ridiculous. David Ross was quoted as saying, not our smartest ball game. And guess what, David? No, duh. Yeah. Well, he was right. He was absolutely right. Now the question is, will, you know, will Nicky Madrigal be in the lineup later on today when they've got an afternoon game against the Guardians? We'll have to wait and see. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story. And one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is the second season. It's episode 48. Cubs blow it with bad bunts. And in this segment, Crawley interviews the Spanish voice of the Cubs, Miguel Esparza, to discuss what it was like in England during that London series. Joining me now, live from Wrigley Field, El Voz de los Cachorros, Miguel Esparza. How are you, buddy? I'm good, man. I could I, I couldn't be better. You know, look at look at look at behind me. Let me move it a little bit so you can catch that scoreboard behind me over there. Doing good, Crawley. How are you? I'm doing great. I, I will That's tell you. Too. I will tell you. <laughs> I was a little bit jealous watching your Twitter, man. I'm looking at you, and, and you're over at London, and it looked like you were having the time of your life. And that's why I wanted to have you on. I, I, I wasn't there. You had the firsthand experience. So it was um, – who was the one that sent you over to London to cover this uh, series? So it was uh, the radio station um... – so we, you know, it was a, it was in in conjunction with the Cubs as well, um, but I had my sponsors, which was amazing to have to to be able to get out there. Um, so it was it was it was a cool, just a little altogether kind of thing. So it was good. Now I I saw you got to do a little sightseeing, uh, being the big music guy that you are. I saw you on Abbey Road. What right. else did you have a chance to kind of take a look at? You know, I uh, we walked around that Thursday uh, Thursday morning, man. I'll tell you, Crawley, every day that I was there, minimum, I walked five miles. And that was just, you know, that was enough for me. I won't walk, you know, for another month or two. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, you know, the, I, I was able to go to Tower Bridge, which was beautiful. Like, everything you see out there, uh, the London Tower itself, where the crown jewels are now at it's amazing to just see the history behind everything obviously big ben um but yeah abbey road was big abbey road just the fact that 
I knew that's where the Beatles walked and, and where they recorded their music. And so it's, you know, uh, like you said, I love music and, and it was good to, to get to do that. That was one. There was two things that I wanted to do was and one was Abbey Road and the other was go to this market. And the market did not let me down whatsoever. It was amazing. Now, I, I know there was a lot of different activities there. Were you able to when did you first get to the Olympic Stadium? Uh, Friday morning, Friday morning for the workout. That's where we're, um, that's when I went there Thursday. I was able to go to go to Trafalgar square, which was where they had the fan experience. Um, I was there on Thursday. It was pretty cool. They had, you know, the batting cages, they had a pitching cage. Uh, they had, they had tops out there doing everyone's uh, baseball card, uh, with a bat and everything. So it was pretty cool. The people were enjoying it. They had like food trucks, um, it was cool to see that home run derby video game. That was pretty cool. People were loving that. And obviously the Cubs won there. So we really went two, two out of three in London. Yeah, they should count that, right? So Trafalgar yeah. Square, you're there, and they have all the different – it's it's divided in half, right? Half Chicago, half St. Louis? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, that well, – no, I don't think I, – I don't recall it being divided in half. I know what they did have at the stadium. That's where they had, like – they had different areas. So when you're walking around the stadium, you had one part was what's, which was uh, Chicago food. Then you'd walk around and you get to St. Louis. So it was, that's how they had that area divided. Okay. And so you get there on Friday. Did you have a chance to talk? I know you talked to a lot of the Latino players, whether it's Christopher right. Morell or other guys, did you have a chance to talk to them about the experience at all? Yeah, they were loving it. I actually caught, uh, who was it? It was Miguel Amaya. Javier Assad and uh, Manny Rodriguez was out there as well. Well, I caught them sightseeing. So we, I was, I looked up the corner of my eye. I was like, I know these guys. So you know, chatted them up a little bit. They were loving it. They were, they had that opportunity that Friday to explore as well because they had that workout, and then afterwards, that's when they were able to go explore a little bit. Um, they also had uh, a boat tour that they took. They had a gala at Westminster Abbey. So it was they they had a ball, man. I'll tell you, everyone was was loving it out there. The first one on Friday that I saw that went to take it in was Jan Gomes. You know, he's Brazilian, loves soccer, walked around, and he was just looking at that stadium. And you know, it's it must have been a special moment for him. That's West Ham Stadium that they play yeah, in, right? Correct. Correct. Uh, Miguel, I only know that because I watched a lot of Ted Lasso, but but, but I, I was excited to see that. But, but uh, you know, when you think about it, I, I talked to Michael Ivory from UK Cub fans. You know Michael and Rachel very yeah. well. And yeah, yeah. Then, uh, you know, I, I, you got a chance to see them, right? I saw Rachel. Um, so it was cool to, to catch up with Rachel. I, I met a couple of people from Spain. It, it was it was just the experience in general was very cool to get to see all these Cubs fans out there. And, and like I said, it was, you had the, the people from Spain that were there and, and they were loving it as well. Like, so it was, it was a very nice experience to see. Now, you know, I, when I talked to Michael from UK Cub fans, he said like compared to the Boston, New York series they had, it seemed like they went much more all out for this series. I mean, when you were walking around the stadium, were there different kind of like signs and different kind of things to take pictures in front of? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They 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 decked that stadium out. You had the video boards. You had um, so the the theme was old rivalry, new new land or new something along those lines. And, and so they would have like uh, different areas where you could stand in front of. They had they were they had these people dressed up in glass, and you would take pictures with them. They had some people on stilts, and they would they, you could either do the the Cardinals ones or the Cubs ones. So there was a lot of photo ops. Um, to, around the stadium for sure. It's a very, it was very interesting uh, getting to the stadium. You literally either had to get an Uber or go on train. There's no parking in that stadium. And then the Uber would drop you off, like, I don't know, like a mile away that you had to walk into the park. So it was, it was interesting all around to get an Uber uh, to leave the stadium was another story. It was, it was wild. Now, obviously, you know, they played two games. They played Saturday, they played Sunday. And Saturday, I mean, it just, just the excitement and the opening of that and the fireworks and the first pitches and all that stuff, it, it, it seemed like that, especially from a Chicago standpoint with the Cubs winning that one, yeah. that the, the, the vibe, it, it seemed like it was, I mean, maybe I'm just being, you know, biased, but it seemed like there were more Cub fans and Cardinal fans. Was, yeah. was, was no, that no, in my I own agree. head or was it pretty even? 
I, I agree. I, you know, there was, there, there was quite a few, like you'd see a lot of Cardinals fans, but maybe I'm being biased, but I, I would hear, I would hear and see the Cubs fans, how they were into that game. Now, um, when the, on Sunday, when the Cardinals won, it, you could hear, it was pretty loud in there. The Cardinals fans were really loud. So they really wanted that game, obviously. Um, but I, you know, I saw, I saw, I want to say, and this is just me probably being biased, 60, 40, at least, um, Cubs fans taking the lead. That's how I saw it. And, and, and my eyes was that's nobody's going to tell me what I didn't see. <laughs> <laughs> And, and, you know, and, and hearing the fans on Saturday singing Go Cubs yeah. Go when it was all over. I mean, oh, yeah. that was just a viral moment, you know? It was. It was so cool, man. It, it was it was one of those experiences. Uh, they also played uh, Sweet Caroline. That was cool. Everyone in that stadium was swinging, singing Sweet Caroline. But the Go Cubs Go, so towards the end of that um, that game on Saturday – the DJ started playing the whoop, there it is, every time a score, uh, a run scored for the Cubs. And then uh, it was, I think it was in the ninth inning, there was another run came in, eighth or ninth. And the run came in and he played Go Cubs Go and he took it right off. And he was like, oh, you know, it was cool because he, he caught it right away and was able to go into the whoop, there it is. So it was, it was you had that really wriggly experience out in London for sure. Now, Miguel, I know that, you know, you've gone viral numerous times for your Spanish calls, which are very enthusiastic. They're a lot of fun. And, 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 you know, I remember all sorts of great ones that you've done, whether it was Christopher Morel or Javi Baez, just a lot of fun. But one of them that went viral over that was, was a British announcing group. Uh, they were yeah. the way that they were very excited. Did you have a chance to talk to your British counterpart at all? I did not. I, I didn't. I didn't see them. Uh, I didn't know where they were. They were sitting. Um, I did talk to the Spanish broadcasters for the Cardinals. Um, they were out there. Benji Molina and Polo Asensio. They were real cool people. Um, so that's the only thing that I like about the Cardinals is their Spanish broadcasting. Well, that would be cool. You know, I mean, and, and if, for, for those of you that don't know, and, and I know Boog Shambi always mentions it at the beginning of the game, you press the SAP button on your remote. Right. And this is what our friend Danny Rocket does to practice his Spanish is listen yeah. to your broadcast. But that would definitely be cool to kind of have a little bit of a crossover if you went into their booth and vice versa. You know what I mean? Right, like, right, right, right. It was cool. They were they were sitting next to us. It was it was a cool experience to get to know other Spanish broadcasters. They've been doing it for a long time and uh, and they're the nicest people that, that you could ever meet. So it was it was nice. One of the highlights, uh, some of the players from West Ham gave Christopher Morel a jersey um from from the team so he was super excited about that he was surprised about it he's like oh this is for me you know so he, he posed with them for a picture um so those were like those little moments that was on friday so it was very nice to see as well uh, you know miguel I, I i wish i could have gone i couldn't but my dream always is as mlb starts to expand further and further you know to try to grow the game it would be a dream of mine to go see the Cubs play in a Latin American country, whether Mexico or the right. DR. I mean, you know, I know that's got to be somewhat in the back of your head as well. Oh, for sure. I would love to do it in Puerto Rico, obviously. My mom being from Puerto Rico, like that would be amazing just to go out and, and, and being able to broadcast out there. And, and, that, you know, as I sat there in London, well, when I walked in, it was like that Friday, I was like, I walked in, saw the stadium, and, and, and I thought to myself, is this real? And, and I, I was like, it, it is real, but really Saturday is when it's set in. And, and I was like, man, I'm broadcasting a game from London. And not only a game, it's the Cubs, it's my team. So it, it was very special just being out there in general. Um, Zach Saban turned around and said, Miguel, are you nervous? I said, yeah, absolutely, because <laughs> we had them right in front of us. It was pretty cool as well. We had them in the front row. Like, we were right, right behind uh, – Pat and Ron and Zach, and he says, "Why are you nervous?" I said, "Just I'm not. It, it's the good nerves, you know. It's the kind of nerves that that you have that excitement, you have that just the the, the atmosphere, everything about just that London series and the first game in particular." Yeah, and you, you know, you we've had you on the podcast before and talked about how you got your start and everything like that. Could you just imagine as a child that one day you would be going across the pond to broadcast? <laughs> you know, a Cubs game in England. I mean, it just, it has to be some like a pinch yourself moment. Right. Right. No, absolutely. Well, and, and 
forget about just the London part. Never did I imagine that I would broadcast a baseball game in itself and let alone for the Cubs and in London. So it was just, it was one of those special moments for me personally, just to think of where I came from and, and, and where I was able to go because of my voice and, and what I do. Right. And so, you know, obviously, you know, we would have loved the Cubs to sweep them out there. They didn't. But, uh, you know, hey, it from everyone that I talked to that's been there, they told me it was an experience that they will never, yeah. ever forget. Right. No, I'm there with them. It, it was one of those special moments. And, and, yeah, you know, you had those first four runs in that first inning on Sunday and, and you felt good about it because of how that Saturday game went. And, and you were like, OK, they're continuing. You know, unfortunately, you had a little mishaps here and there and and that's it. But, you know, hey, they traveled that far. Let them take one, too. <laughs> you're, you're always as generous Miguel tell our listeners where they can follow you on social media to hear your calls and and see your like I said that's how I was watching you in London it was through your social media thank you yeah Miguel's voice on Twitter Miguel Esparza radio Instagram and Facebook and you can listen to the broadcast like you mentioned Crawley on Marquee Sports Network switch it over to SAP you can catch it there you can catch it on the MLB app and in uh, Chicago 1200 a.m. Miguel, thank you so much for jumping on. Like I said, I know you're at Wrigley. You. And, and do me a favor. Can we get a win here? Can we beat these Phillies? Man, you know, that's what I'm hoping for. I, I The last thing I want is for them to get swept. So hopefully today we can do it. Hopefully Kyle Hendricks will rally the troops. All right, Miguel, you take care, buddy, and great talking to you. Same here. Always a pleasure. Thank you. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Great job, Crawley, with that interview. It's season two. It's episode 48 of The Fly, the W670 podcast. We're calling this one Cubs Blow It with Bad Bunts. And in this segment, we're going to get into the uh, news, notes, roster moves, and preview that series, which starts later today against the Guardians. Don't forget to listen, download, review. Most importantly, subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on the socials, Fly the W670 on Twitter and Instagram. Fly the W on Facebook or email us at flythew670gmail.com. All right, Crowley, after getting swept, let's talk about the standings. Yeah, remember we were feeling really good. The Cubs had won 9 out of 10, and they were uh, two and a half games out of first. Well, uh, they're, they have now been passed by Pittsburgh again. So Cincy in first place, they're back on their winning ways with the two-game win streak. Um, they are tied for first with Milwaukee, who is also on their own two-game win streak. And Pittsburgh passes the Cubs with a three-game win streak. And the Cubs have lost four in a row, putting them in fourth place at 37 and 42. And St. Louis has lost two in a row, so they continue with their struggle 9.5 games back. Yes, indeed. That's the only good news out of that uh, graphic, Crowley, is that the uh, Cardinals are still sitting there in last place. All right, let's get into some of the uh, the news and some of the roster moves. Yeah, some exciting news for a couple of young Cubs. Pete Crow Armstrong and BJ Murray will represent the Cubs at the 2023 Futures game. That game is held on All-Star Weekend. If you remember, Brandon, Dav- Brandon Davis was the MVP of the uh, Futures game not too long ago. Miguel Amaya was the MVP of the Futures game at one time, I'll say 2018-2019, right around there. So this is uh, Pete Crow played in it last year. So this is a chance for him to shine on the big stage with uh, baseball's best youngest talent. I love Pete Crow Armstrong. I'm a huge, huge fan. Um, super excited that he's getting this opportunity and going to get a lot of eyes on him during the all-star weekend. 
Now, uh, obviously, the All-Star Game is going to be held in Seattle this year, so I am very much wondering if they are kind of just keeping Pete in double-A until after the All-Star All-Star break and then see if he maybe gets that promotion to Iowa after um, after he participates in the future game. That's what I'm kind of just looking at right now. All right, that's, a, that's, an, interesting, uh, that's an interesting take, and, uh, and he needs to keep moving up the ladder. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, the interesting thing about Pete is that like every time it looks like there's a hole or a deficiency or he's getting exposed, he's able to come back and and kind of correct the issue. And that that's the key to baseball, man, is just, you know, figuring it out how, you know, it's that game of chess where they try to figure out a way to get you out and you got to find a way to kind of combat that and it looks like he it's a skill he really possesses, so that's going to I believe help him when he gets to the majors. Yes, absolutely. He's going to listen, he he's got all the tools. He's going to be Super exciting when he gets up here. I think they just can't rush him. You want to keep his confidence, but uh, incremental moves is the right thing to do. Yep. And we had some roster moves, and the Cubs surprised people on Tuesday. Crawley, yours truly, broke the news. I'm sitting there, you know, outside Lucky Doors, which is kind of my hangout. And who do I see? So the Cubs players walk across the street on Waveland from the parking lot, and they go in uh, this door. Who do I see? But uh, Jared Young from Iowa. So Jared Young has been ripping it up at Iowa. He's a he's a corner infielder. He could play third. He could play first. And I'm watching. I'm like, that's Jared Young. And I took a picture, and it blew up on Twitter. I was mentioned in MLB Trade Rumors, a, a great Twitter site. So I was excited about that. I so that was a picture I took. I didn't take a picture of Miles Masterboni, who was optioned to Iowa and boy, oh boy, he was not happy when he came out with a luggage cart and a uh, luggage that he did not have when he walked in that day. So uh, not happy, <laughs> not happy. You know, it, it's a, it's a move that needed to be made. And, and we talked about, we just went through the series against the Phillies where there wasn't a whole lot of offense and Jared Young's name got mentioned multiple times for actually providing some offense that the Cubs barely had. Right. He had a home run. He had a triple. The guy was making good contact. So, you know, re really good to see, you know, he didn't play that first game, which kind of, of course, irritated me, but I'm glad to see that he was in the second and third game. And, and, and then you got to think that this is also uh, having something to do with the air that Nick Mad or Nick Magical made or not Mitch, uh, Trey Mancini made Trey in Mancini, London. Yep. Yep. So, yep. Absolutely. Yep. No doubt about that. And, and we'll see if, uh, you know, Jared can do some good things and maybe they won't be calling Matt Mervis up anytime soon. Um, I wouldn't say that much. I, I would say that they really, uh, they, they need Mervis and I'm not, I, I was talking to someone the other day on Twitter who said, you know, Mervis can't hit triple, you know, can't hit major league pitching. And, and that's way early to make that after 150 at bats. That's, that's ridiculous. Uh, Anthony Rizzo had almost the exact same numbers. Actually, Mervis's numbers were better the first time he got called up. So here's the thing. The Cubs need pop. And that's what Matt Mervis provides. Now, Jared Young is a really good hitter. He's, uh, but, but, but again, we need guys that can put the ball out there, that can, can, can put up a crooked number. There's no threat on this team. They're not scared of anybody in this lineup. Nobody. No, nobody right now. Absolutely nobody. No, no pop. No, nobody to scare you. Um, as as good as Dansby Swanson has played, it's he doesn't scare you. No. So no. 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 Now um, there were some moves made because of this. Brandon Hughes was transferred to the 60-day IL, so that's going to make room on the 40-man for Jared Young. And then Brandon Hughes underwent a surgical debridement of his left knee. They, they changed what they were going to do. Originally, they were going to undergo distal femoral osteonomy surgery. I can't even pronounce it. Um, and the only person to really in the majors to come back from that injuries, I, um, ironically, is Michael Rucker, who's on the Cubs. But the Cubs went with, that, uh, with, with the uh, debridement instead. That'll shorten his recovery time, and hopefully um, he might be back this season. Fingers crossed, Crowley. Fingers crossed. Stroman threw a bullpen Thursday to see how a blister on his finger would react. It looks like everything's all go for this weekend, so that's good. That's Say great news. That's great news. Yes. Seo was out of Wednesday night and Thursday night's lineup with a stiff neck. So Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Alex I, I, let, let's hope this doesn't last too long. Again, a guy that needs to be doing a whole lot better than he is for the Cubs. 
Uh, something that was surprising and exciting, Alexander Canario, the Cubs' ninth-rated, uh, ninth top-rated prospect, number nine on the top ten prospects, has started his rehab assignment in South Bend. Canario, people forget because of Mervis' year last year, but he led the Cubs' minor league system in home runs. He is a big dude. He reminds me a, a little bit of Jorge Soler. He, he's fast. He's explosive. He can play center field, but with PCA, he can play corners and he can hit the long ball. Remember, he came over uh, along with Caleb Killian, who's doing really well in AAA right now in the Chris Bryant trade. So good to see Canario back. Oh, he's going he's gonna to be another guy that's going to be a big part of when the Cubs are really good again. Hope, yeah, hopefully. And so Patrick Wisdom, uh, I saw Patrick. I talked to him on Tuesday. He said he was feeling much better. And sure enough, the next day he's at Iowa. And he started yesterday and hit a, a home run in his first at-bat in Iowa, recovering from that wrist injury. So I love Patrick. Great guy. And hopefully he comes back strong as well. Yeah, I mean, they could use him this weekend. I don't know if it's going to be that quick. But, the, you know, that's one guy. I know he strikes out a lot, but at least he does have some pop. Right. And as we talked about, there, there's going to be a whole flurry of minor league promotions. I saw Michael Aria. Um, he's a right-handed pitcher from Myrtle Beach. The guy is an absolute stud. He moved from Myrtle Beach to South Bend. So I think I'm going to go hopefully check him out again. I, I, I was amazed when I watched him pitch. Uh, right-handed pitcher Manny Espinosa was promoted from South Bend to the Tennessee Smokies. Shortstop Luis Vasquez was promoted from the Smokies to the Iowa Cubs. And the big news... The uh, number five prospect in the Cubs system, Jordan Wicks, is one step closer to the big leagues as the 2021 first-round draft pick will make his first start for the I-Cubs against Omaha. So if you take a look right now at the Iowa Cubs, and I would say go watch the Iowa Cubs because they're a lot of fun and they put on a great show. And Des Moines is a city that's where, where, where the S's are silent, but it's always buzzing. Um, you have three really quality pitchers up there. Uh, in Iowa, when you talk about Caleb Killian and Jordan Wicks and Ben Brown. So the future of the Cubs pitching staff is right in Iowa, and they may be worth your time to make that trip out there and see those guys. Absolutely. That would be something fun to uh, do on a, a weekend. All right, something else that hopefully will be fun, Crowley, are the three games coming up against the Guardians. They are uh, in town at Wrigley uh, starting this afternoon. Yep, 120 as God intended. Thank God we're back to day baseball. It's been a long time, right? Too long. So last season, the Guardians finished in first place in the AL Central, surprising everybody with a 92-70 and 70 record, winning the American League Central for the first time since 2018. They beat the Rays two games to nothing in the wild card before losing to the Yankees three games to two in the NLDS. Uh, they didn't make a lot of moves in the offseason. You had uh, Josh Bell, who we were interested in for the Cubs for that first base job, and catcher Mike Zunio came to Cleveland. They lost Austin Hedges, um, Luke Maley, both catchers, and then infield outfielder Owen Miller. So they added, and they didn't really lose a lot. No, nope, no. Nope. They're just one of those really, really steady teams. They're always around, and you just wonder if they would just add a little bit um, what, what this team could be. Right, and so right now they are part of the worst division in baseball, the AL Central, and they are now uh, percentage points tied with the Minnesota Twins at 39-41 and 41 in first place. Four and a half games against the Chicago White Sox for those of you that look at both sides of town. So it's one of these deals where the uh, Cubs could do the White Sox some favors this weekend. Right. Absolutely. All right. And let's so, get into Let's get into these pitching probables. Well, you know, so this looks a lot better for the Cubs because you got their two studs going in there. You got Justin Steele. And Justin Steele has a record of eight and two with a 262 ERA. Um, you know, what can we say about Justin other than it's just been such a fun season to watch him pitch. Uh, he did have that little hiccup with the, uh, forearm injury, but you know, last time he pitched in London, he went six innings, gave up five hits, one earned run and one walk with eight K's. That was a season high for him against Baltimore. He went five innings, pitch, gave up five hits, two earned runs, one walk. And so, you know, a, a good start there. 
And so you're, you're, you're kind of watching what, what Justin does and every game is just basically a step, you know, he's trying to just make a step back from the, uh, coming back from injuries. So that, that's really the key. You know, he looked, he looked good enough the other day and yeah, you're right. Just a little bit more steady progress, but, uh, you feel good. You feel good with him on the mound when you're looking to stop a, uh, what's now a four game, uh, losing streak. Right. And the thing is, is that that game against St. Louis in London, that was only a second start back from the IL. So you're still kind of keeping a very watchful eye on what he is doing as far as, um, as far as his progress is concerned. All right. So game two, we got the uh, blistered. But, well, wait, 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 we still got, we got, a, we got the other side. We got Cal Cantrell. Uh, Cal Cantrell. You know what he, every time I hear Cal Cantrell, I, I feel like, like the, the, the Bugs Bunny, right? You remember the, 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 the character with the, the mustache and the, and the, and the, and the pistols and the yeah. hat, you know, like Cal Cantrell. Yeah. That always reminds me of that. The little mouse. Yep. Mm-hmm. All righty. Well, Cal Cantrell doesn't have a mustache, um, uh, but <laughs> you, you know, I, that 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 much I could tell you so far. But I do know he has a two and four record with a five sixty one ERA. He started eleven games for the Guardians. Uh, last three, the last two games don't look good for him. Against Baltimore, he only went four point one innings pitch, gave up eight hits, eight earned runs, two walks, three Ks. And against the Chicago White Sox on the south side of town, went four innings pitch, four hits. Six earned runs. He did better against the Mets, but the Mets are their own mess. He went 5.2, gave up six hits and three runs. But, you know, gave up eight runs his last start, six runs to start before that. So, you know, come on, Cubs, do something right. here, right? Let's keep that coming, right? You got him. He's going the wrong direction. You want to keep him down while he is uh, struggling, if you will. Right. And and as, as you mentioned, Marcus Stroman, 9-2 and two with the 247 ERA. Uh, versus Tanner Bibby, four and two with the 379 ERA. When you talk about Stroman, that start against St. Louis, abbreviated 3.1 innings pitch, eight hits, three earned runs, one walk, two Ks, had to leave the game because of a blister that that issue that came up. Remember that game? There was some bad defense originally. I think he was charged with six earned runs, but th- there was an error that they originally called a hit. Just a mess of a game, um, and obviously Stroman was not 100%. Before that, against Pittsburgh, he went seven innings pitch, gave up five hits, zero earned runs, and then he fa- paced, faced Pittsburgh the game before, went seven innings, gave up four hits, two earned runs. But, you know, just had, having having a sensational year, um, and, and and hopefully he can keep it going, and and hopefully uh, the blister thing is what nervous makes you nervous about this situation. Right. Absolutely. But hopefully what, I don't know what they use nowadays. They used to use, uh, I think super glue to uh, help uh, close that up. I'm sure it's gotten much more advanced uh, since then. Who knows, but uh, Tanner Bibby four and two with the three seventy nine ERA had a great game against the Brewers the other day, six innings pitch, three hits, one earned run against a really good Arizona team. He went five innings, gave up seven hits and three earned runs. He struggled against San Diego. His start before that four and eight hits, three earned run or six earned runs. But again, since then against Arizona, three runs against Milwaukee, one run. So um, he's a young guy. He's only 24 years old. He was there, uh, you know, fifth round pick in 2021. So young kid uh, Cubs. Let's, let's see what happens in this one. Yes. And that one's going to be a low scoring affair, Crowley. Yep. Absolutely. Has everything uh, has pitcher as pitchers duel written all over it. Yep. Game number three. And this is where we got to <laughs> clear your throat a little bit. Yep. Good old J-Mo. And I like his nickname J-Mo because I usually have to drink a little bit of that every time he makes a start. Um, five innings pitched against Philly, seven hits, five earned runs against Baltimore, 5.1 innings, gave up eight hits, four earned runs. And then in Pittsburgh, uh, he gave, went six innings, gave up six hits, only three earned runs. So he got the win on that one, but he's had two straight losses. We were really hoping that he was kind of starting to come out of it, but the last two starts against, you know, two good teams, Baltimore and Philadelphia, um, just hasn't have happened. But again, you know, Cleveland's not this awesome team. You know, I think Phillies that are hot right now, and I think that, uh, you know, Baltimore's a really, really good team. You know, maybe, maybe playing against lesser competition will help uh, J-Mo. Hey, we got to grasp to anything we can, right? 
that, so that's it, man. I'm just I'm on a wing. No, there's no angle. There's no angle that's a bad angle when we're trying to figure out a way to get this <laughs> thing uh, straightened out. No doubt about that. Right. I, I, that's that's all you can do, right? You can just sit there and say, please let 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 something happen the Cubs way. Now, uh, for the Guardians, Aaron Savali is up. He's started seven games so far, two and two with a 318 ERA. Uh, against uh, last start against Milwaukee, went six innings, gave up six hits, four runs against Oakland, 6.2, five hits, two and runs. Again, that, that's not impressive to me. And then against San Diego, he only went 3.2 innings, gave up five hits, two and runs, four walks, and seven Ks. So he threw a lot of pitches early and didn't go very deep into that game. No. Looks like a game that if uh, Tyone can just keep things sort of okay, that the Cubs could keep themselves in this one. Have some patient at bats, you know, and uh, that that's really, you know, hopefully get him out of the game early. All right, Crawley, we now go into our hot and not, and I don't even know, is there a Cub that fits the hot category right now? Is that even possible? Yes, we're going swept? to forget. We're, we're going to forgive him for bunting. But Nick Madrigal is eight for his last 19 with three doubles and one RBI. He's that was what I was four. saying, though. That was I was like, yeah, I can't know if we can do that. I don't know if we can forgive the bun, Crowley. <laughs> We're going to have to forgive it. 421, 421, 579 is his slash line. And then uh, Cody Bellinger is starting to warm up a little bit. Six for his last 17, batting three, slashing 353, 389, 412. So good to see Cody kind of getting it going right here. Absolutely. It's uh, he's looking good. I also thought I saw something on social media that he just got uh, engaged to his uh, uh, swimsuit uh, SI model uh, recently got engaged. So Absolutely. And con to the, congrats uh, happy to Cody. Couple. Yeah. The yeah. happy couple. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, as far as the knots are concerned, Ian oh. Happ two for 17 with two home runs and three RBIs. You say that looks good. That's against the corpse of Adam Wainwright, if you remember that against the Cardinals. Ian Happ absolutely owns Adam Wainwright. But against everybody else, he is doing zilch, zip, nada. He's slashing 118, 286, and the power numbers look great because of what he did against Wainwright, 471 slug on that. And then the other guy you want to take a look at, and this is the thing. You ride the hot hand in baseball when you can. The Cubs did so with Mike Talkman but it's kind of going the other direction right now. He's two for his last 17 with one RBI, seven strikeouts to zero walks. He's slashing 118, 118, 176. So in that game on uh, Thursday, you saw Bellinger start in center field for the first time since he came off the IL. And so with Jared Young's promotion, you're going to see a lot less of Bellinger at first and much more of him at center field. And Talkman will go into the traditional uh, back up outfielder role, which is what he's much more suited as. Uh, there may be a little DHing in his future as well with the Cubs. All right. So last week when we previewed the Phillies, Crowley, we, uh, you know, we kind of nailed it on the, on the hot. So who's coming in hot for these guardians? Yeah. With the, when you, when you look at the guardians, uh, you can take a look really quick at Jose Ramirez, third baseman. He's always a great player. Uh, he has one home run and six RBIs. He has uh, six hits for his last 16. He's slashing 375, 522, 625. So watch out for Jose Ramirez. Also watch out for Josh Naylor. Eight for his last 22 with a home run and three RBIs. He's slashing 364, 391, 682. So right now, the Guardians offense is really on fire. I mean, I picked those two guys just because they're at the highest. But every even the guys below them, Will Brennan, who is the right fielder, is batting 353 in his last seven games. Josh Bell is 313 in his last seven games. Um, Andres Jimenez, their second baseman, is batting 300. So they got one, two, three, four, five regulars that are batting over 300 right now in their last seven games. That's pretty good. That's uh, nothing. The Cubs have nothing like that at all. Right. Now, as far as the knots. I mean, even, the, you know, uh, left fielder Stephen Kwan is struggling. Five for his last 22. He's slashing 227, 292, 227. And shortstop Ahmad Rosario, he is really struggling. Four for his last 21 RBI. So he's slashing 200, 304, 350. So those are the guys that you don't have to really worry about right now. All right, Crowley, prediction time. 
Big, uh, big series after getting swept. Uh, Cubs need to do something here. I will go first. Um, I'm going to say they're going to take uh, one of three, unfortunately. I think uh, we just talked about how well the Guardians are hitting, and we don't have the Cubs hitting very well. I'm hoping to be very, very wrong when you and I get back together on, uh, on Monday or Tuesday. I always like to see Steele and Stroh in a series. I always feel confident that that gives you a chance for two wins. But then you got J-Mo in the third start, and then I'm, I'm nervous about Strowman's blister. Right. I'm going to try to be the positive one. I'm going to try to be the optimist and say the Cubs take two of three here because you know what, Dustin? They have to. They, they, their backs are against the wall. Uh, this, you know. Now, um, when we talked about Carter Hawkins in, earlier in segment one, um, you know, he says they're going to wait until the very end, you know, end of towards the end of July after the All Star break to make a decision whether they're buyers and sellers. But they don't have a lot of time to keep playing around with this. They they have to do something, and and if not, then again we get back into that conversation of do you, what do you do with Cody Bellinger? What do you do with Marcus Stroman? What do you do with Trey Mancini? What do you do with some of these guys? And are those going to be pieces that you're going to sell off? And if you do, how many step backs, how many steps back are the Cubs taken for next season? Right. And Marcus Stroman's name was a name brought up yesterday on the uh, Mully and Haw show with Bruce Levine. And Bruce Levine says he expects the Cubs to trade Marcus Stroman. And if he was asked for advice, that's what he would do. Something we'll uh, definitely get into in the next episode. So that is a wrap, Crowley. We're wrapping up this one. Don't forget to listen, download, review, subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. Follow us on the socials, Fly the W Facebook, Fly the W670 on Instagram. You can email us, flythew670gmail.com. And, of course, Crowley, you can watch us on YouTube by subscribing to the 670 The Score YouTube channel. And nothing, nothing brings a smile to my face than hearing Cubs play in Cleveland. Remember 2016, Cubs fan. It's never over till it's over. Go Cubs! It's all over.